Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone! Yay! I am excited for this, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast, to begin! I am Greg Dito, and I'm joined by Shelley Mazanova. Hi, Shelley! Hey! How are you, Greg? Rocking and rolling and falling down and tripping and having my ankle hurt. All the fun stuff. Oh, did you hurt yourself? I, well, I played basketball with uh, Edna yesterday and mm-hmm. I'm old and I didn't stretch and now I'm paying the price. Yeah, there's um, that happens. Um, mm-hmm. Just as like parents seem to hit that age when your kids hit that age where they want to be active and do sports and it never really lines up. Um, at Queen's yeah. baseball game, some of the, the parents have to pitch for some of the innings. Otherwise, the games would go on for like 67 years. Forever, yeah. Um, and we saw one of the parents, like a, the kid catcher threw the ball back and it was going way over his head. And he jumped up to catch it and all the parents went, ooh, and the bleachers. We were like, <laughs> oh, like, that's, that's going to hurt. hurt. Oh, he's going to be in pain tomorrow. Take your Advil tonight. Um, <laughs> just, J- jumping, I, I can handle that. It's it was like a like, big jump stretch. Like, it was not... Right. And you could hear the cracking of the uh, spine as yeah. he was jumping up, yeah. as was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled poorly on his athletics check. Yes, definitely. Unless, did, he, did, did they catch it? He actually did. Oh, I mean, well, he's like, he's, he was like a, a pitcher in college, so... Oh, one of those He's parents. probably a little bit better off than the, the rest of us, the ones, those of us that just... Drank and smoked in college. Do a lot of activity. You were reluctant to say that. I was. I mean, I didn't say it was me necessarily. There were people who did that, though. Yeah. I understand. Well, we've got uh, some awesome stuff coming for this episode of Dragon Talk for you that hopefully will not require you to roll an athletics check to listen Mm -mm. to it. Or hurt yourself. Or hurt yourself in any way. Car serum is, or carcerum is an awesome audio D&D series, scripted, but very much based in in D&D play. Uh, And we have uh, Sean Salk, who is the uh, writer of that, as well as one of the performers, Dana Powers, coming to talk to us about it. And they somehow were able to convince amazing performers to uh, lend their voice acting talents to this series, it's worth checking out. People like uh, Jane Lynch, mm-hmm. Cameron Crowe, the director yeah. of uh, so many of my favorite films, including uh, Say Anything and uh, Almost Singles. Famous Singles. Yeah, it's uh, a voice actor in in this series, um, and as well as many other voice actors, like the voices of uh, Pinky and the Brain, got to uh, do it together. Uh, it's amazing. So you'll hear all about the genesis of that project, how it started in D&D play, and uh, when, how you can listen to it. Uh, yeah, when, I think they're, the first season has like 120 characters or something. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot but of characters. It, but it, what an amazing storytelling an audio experience for yeah. you to listen to. So Yeah, and a lot of the voice actors were able to improv their mm-hmm. their characters or develop their characters along with the, the writing team. Um, and so it is one of those things that they're able to, to finally add some creativity to their roles instead of just reading lines that someone wrote for them. They're actually able to, to improv a little bit. I think that's, yeah. that's going to lend some really interesting uh, 
you know, performances to it. And, you know, it's a fun D&D story. So check it out. So they can stretch those creative uh, muscles without uh, having to take an Advil. The night <laughs> or right, right a mental up. Advil in order yes. to reduce the mental swelling yes. after said mental gymnastics. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Uh, we also uh, have a really great uh, B segment where you get to meet a new member of the Dungeons & Dragons greater team. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I think we also want to talk about everyone's favorite capitalist board game, <laughs> Monopoly, has a and d version available out there. And it has got tons of Dungeons & Dragons DNA baked into it. It's, you know, there's still the gameplay where you pick a uh, uh, one of six uh, characters. Uh, and I think it's the six classes, right? Uh, yeah. Six yeah. character classes that you the, can choose. Yeah, so you get, there is uh, collectible sculpted tokens. Ooh. Would you like to know what you can play? Sure. Okay. You can, they represent a halfling rogue, a human fighter, human wizard, dwarven cleric, elven ranger, or tiefling bard. Tiefling now, bard. Begin on the traditional ghost space. Uh, and then there's lots of things that are very familiar with D or with Monopoly, but also some unconventional, really fun things that make it feel much more D and D. Yeah, and I think I misspoke when I talked about this last episode that there would be locations, but it's not locations that you're purchasing on the game board. It's monsters. Yeah, uh, and so yes. you can. Monster. Yeah, you can still com- combine them into uh, you know the groups that you would need in order to charge more. I guess it's not rent, but the way to charge uh, gold pieces uh, around uh, the game board. So lots of fun interactions. You might remember Clue, uh, the Dungeons & Dragons Clue uh, that did the same thing, that took the, the fun gameplay of that board game and adapted it to a and d style. Monopoly does the same way, and it looks awesome with some great artwork um, mm-hmm. that makes it feel even more D&D-like. Did you know Volo's full name? Yeah, Volo Thamp Gadarn. I didn't know that. I, I didn't that. know that it was Volo, Volo Samp. Yeah. It's only referred to as Volo, really. Uh, yeah. In most of the things, but Which that I was my... Kind of, I love. Getting a little bit behind the curtain here, but that was my one comment on their marketing copy was, uh, was no one really knows Volo Samp Gadarn. I didn't know it until I like read on more. I was like, oh, now they're calling him Volo. That's Volo. <laughs> yeah, it's just Volo. Uh, and it's in the title of, you know, Volo's Guide to Monsters and many yeah. other... Uh, Ancient things. So, look, just use that. Don't don't do the full name in the in the snappy marketing copy that you're doing. But uh, otherwise, that was my only comment. They they knew D and D inside and out, uh, and so that's always a great thing for uh, you know working with 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 game designers like this. That they you know they were already well tuned in to Dragon Talk. Clearly, obviously, obviously, that's where they get all of their information. Probably all of those you know lore you should know segments. Exactly. On Volo, in fact. Uh, speaking of Dragon Talk having a following, we are going to celebrate something pretty big, a big milestone, milestone. for me and Shelly. Yep. We've been friends for six years. Six years. 300 episodes <laughs> since I first appeared on the Dragon Talk podcast. There was definitely some uh, previous episodes on that RSS feed in which I was not there uh, and we were going to expunge those from the record. No, we are <laughs> going to celebrate those uh, by having Bart Carroll uh, as well as some other fun guests join uh, a live stream on Friday, June 11th, twitch.tv slash d at 11 a.m. Pacific time. 
you'll be able to watch me and Shelly as well as uh, hopefully some other guests come on and discuss the history of Dragon Talk and where it all came from and how yep. to celebrate that 300th episode. How cool is that? And some of our, our uh, memorable episodes and maybe we'll even get to talk to Ryan and Lisa who <gasps> make this podcast actually a podcast. Wow. we wouldn't be doing any of this without them. This is true. This is yeah. true. So you'll... If you're a fan of everything we do here at Dragon Talk, definitely tune in and listen along. But you can certainly uh, always watch it on a video on demand, and we'll probably release that as a as a special bonus episode on the Dragon Talk feed as well. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think, Greg? Maybe that's if that's not enticing enough. Maybe we could break some news or something. I don't know. There could be some you're news to like break the for sure. Yeah, I think there will be quite a bit of stuff to talk about that week. Okay. Perhaps even for those of you uh, who are interested, uh, learning some things about an upcoming Magic card set, uh, Magic the Gathering set on that Friday. Mm-hmm. During the live stream, perhaps, you will oh. get some information on that. That's, wow. Okay. It's like you're looking into like a, a crystal ball right now. <laughs> a crystal ball that says... Shelly's marketing plan. (laughs) (laughs) Assets needed. (laughs) We need magic. Full of telling you all the things that uh, we're going. We know exactly what we're going to be. This is not a question. We know exactly what we're going to be telling you. We actually do know. We're going to tell you some stuff. It's going to be fun. You're going to want to hear it. You're going to love it. So pay attention to Dungeons and Dragons social feeds that week uh, with tons of information as well as tune in to the 300th episode of Dragon Talk, the Dragon Talk special live again Friday, June 11th, 11 a.m. Pacific time. We'll see you there. Maybe see you in chat and say hello. Yay. Yay. That's really cool. I'm proud cool. of Cool. I'm one of the people who have been, uh, you know, doing lots of fun stuff on the D&D and Dark Alliance show, social medias is Josh Morris. Uh, so let's uh, go to our insight check right about now and learn a little bit about Josh, shall we? Okay. Welcome. Welcome to another segment of Insight Check. I am very excited to talk to Josh Morris. Hi, Josh. Yay! Hello, everyone. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We are ready Ah. to roll Insight on you. I got a 15 with my high wisdom score. Uh Uh-oh. You are the community manager of Dark Alliance. Yeah, it's real exciting. Coming out June 22nd, we're really (laughs) ramping up less than a month away. So you're not busy at all these days. No, I know. I have time to talk. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't pull you away from anything super important, did we? No, not not at all. Not at all. Uh, Got a a stream coming up. This is being recorded on a Friday. So we do a live Friday stream uh, every, I'm going to keep saying Friday, every Friday. So uh, yeah, you might see me wearing similar clothing if you're uh, watching this on YouTube. 
Nice. Oh, so what is the stream that you're doing these days? It's a dev stream. So we're, we have different topics that we're walking folks through the game where we'll play through different levels. We'll have uh, celebrity influencers come in. Like my co-host DJ Knight is great. He's going to be on all the shows. Uh, we have uh, Riker from the Diablo community coming in uh, for the show we're recording today. No uh, we're booking some more guests later on. It, it, it's great. And then they have me, the lowly old community manager. <laughs> Tell Riker I said hi. I used to work with him back in the day. Oh, we'll do. We'll do. Yeah. He seems to know everyone here at Wizards. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that kind of. I mean, obviously, this is why we do this podcast as well. Is like talking to the developers, just getting their 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 insights into what's going on in the game. And Dark Alliance is interesting because it combines people's love of Dun Dungeons and Dragons uh, as well as this kind of action brawling uh, gameplay. Yeah, yeah, real easy to pick up. Uh, I was I was afraid that I was going to embarrass myself because while I love to play video games, I tend to play some of the slower ones, and I, I have stupid fingers, so I'm like, I'm going to look like a fool doing this. But no, I learned a few attacks, and I, I was playing as Brunor. Brunor's my character, and oh. just wrecking, wrecking with him. He's a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> so you have not been at Wizards for very long, have you? No, started in January, January. Uh, from Washington, D.C., and just moved to the Seattle Renton area in, in March. So I'm, I'm brand new. I haven't been able to, to check out everything that's available in the area. You have no idea what awaits you when you are free to roam around. Oh, absolutely. Lots, lots of hiking trails, which uh, I'm going to miss the monuments walking by those, but uh, we'll, we'll see what Seattle has to offer. Natural yeah. monuments, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The huge mountains in every direction. I was what killed Every me time I see the mountain, I go, oh, there's the mountain. There, there's oh, the mountain. <laughs> I still do that after even 25 years here. I will still like have to stop and pause and take a moment to appreciate yeah. Mount Rainier. You just like, never There's get the spine of the world. It. It's right there. <laughs> so, there it is. So um, you're the community oh, manager for yes. Dark Alliance. I'm stealing Shelly's question here. You knew what I was going to ask. I did. Uh, I rolled an inside check on you in my head. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so what, I mean, a lot of people uh, have heard that term, but what do you think that means? What is a community manager, uh, especially for a game like Dark Alliance? Oh, yeah, man. I, like me personally, I, I dislike the term community manager because there, there's no standardized definition for it. It's different right. all over the place. For At some organizations, it's basically a customer service person that answers questions. For wizards, it's a little more complex. I like to describe myself as something of a, a sociologist or an anthropologist for, for social media and the internet because I deal with fandoms. I, I'm the first line that encounters people. Like if you tweet at Dark Alliance, I'm probably the person that's going to A, read your tweet and B, respond if there's something that we can do. So working with fandoms, and, and I've done this for several different titles over the years, both in video game and entertainment and, and television, is that fandoms are, are all different and they all have their different language and they all have their different cultures. Just think about you and how you interact with, let's say, your coworkers versus your parents and versus your friends. You use different language and different tone for each of them. You probably have inside jokes with, with different groups, uh, even within your own fandoms. I bet you talk to gamers differently than you would talk to anime fans, than you would talk to board gamers or, or uh, tabletop RPG players. It's all different. So my job is to go in and learn that culture and learn that lingo to see 
how are people talking? How are they talking about us? What is their language? What are the memes they share? What are they into? And I use that to help us both, A, craft better messaging to go out to them that speaks their language, because we all love it when, when we're, we're talked to in, in words that, that we understand, and also to translate what our fans are saying to us and deliver them up the chain to like, hey, here's how this was received. Uh, more often than not, it, it's actually interesting internally where I run into more struggles where I have to explain like like the language of a tweet that's going out and I have to say like, oh no, yeah, you don't talk like this. You, you might not understand all this slang, but our audience does. So uh, in a nutshell, I, I keep it real. I, authenticity <laughs> is the currency on the internet, especially with social media. And you always want to come off as authentic. And I help to do that just by embedding myself and being a fan myself, no matter what the property is. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think you're doing an excellent job uh, on the Dark Alliance Twitter handle. That's 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 my fandom that I uh, in, in my landscape as and I've seen your posts and they are that blend of you know comedy that you really only get if you're both a fan of of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Drista Warden and all those companions as well as like very online uh, jokes, right? That people only get if they are. Uh, you know, utilizing those social media platforms on a, on a daily basis. And uh, what have been some of the fun ones that you've done recently? I feel like there's tons in my head, but what are what are some of your favorites? Oh man, so yeah, we have a character in the game, uh, Utar Kelvinson, and he's voiced by a, a a very famous Hollywood actor. So uh, I, I tweeted out a scene with him where he has the voice, and I said, "Guess who this is?" And uh, that that Hollywood actor Joe Mangiello just uh, immediately responded, and so I was like, "Oh, well, there goes all of my, ah. my campaign that I had for that." But uh, he just responded and said, "It's me." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's me. I did the thing. Ah. It, it's like, okay, well, I guess I need to write more content now. Uh, the, the best part about social media is it's so unpredictable and people talk about different things throughout the week and you could jump onto different topics. For instance, I, I believe it was last week where uh, Shrek had its 20th anniversary. So I just uh, hopped into Photoshop really quick and and uh, put Drist outside his swamp and I just said, well, took care of that ogre problem. Canonically <laughs> killed off Shrek in the uh, Dark Alliance Twitter cinematic universe. It is canon. It's canon yep, now. It's canon. What? That's why there's not a Shrek the Fourth or, or Fifth or whatever we're, <laughs> we're up to on that. Uh, people definitely had opinions on that. Uh, one of my personal favorites was uh, we, me and uh, I, I work with another community manager. I, I want to say, or, or a uh, social media manager. I want to say it's never just me. Social media is a team effort and a lot goes into it. I provide more of the qualitative stuff while other people provide like quantitative data to see like how well we're doing. So I was talking to him and we saw this thing going across that was National Horny Day. And so again, we had Utar Kelvinson, big horned helmet on. And I was just like, all right, here's where I can make my mark. So for the first time in its nearly 30 year history, Wizards of the Coast took part in National Horny Day. And uh, yeah, I really like to say I feel like I'm making a difference here. Definitely. You really are. Is it safe to say that nobody from HR follows the Dark Alliance Twitter channel? <laughs> oh, muted, blocked immediately. <laughs> well, and the way you describe, you know, jumping into Photoshop to create those things, you know, it feels very much like a dungeon master, which is such something I hadn't really considered about a community manager. Yeah. 
that you have to have a, a, you know a bunch of different talents and, and different ones bring different ones uh, different talents to bear uh, you know in how they communicate these things and it is in some ways like you're just wanting to make sure everybody has fun and it has a good time just like a dungeon master does Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like one of the things is, you know, we have to provide value for people to follow us. Because if I just got on that handle and was just like, pre-order Dark Alliance, June 22nd, June 22nd, Dark Alliance, June 22nd. <laughs> like, you would you really want to hear that every single day? There, there's no value in that. After a while, I just feel like this handle doesn't have anything to say. So you want to create that fun, exciting content for people to give them value. It's like, why would I follow this? Oh, well, there's Dungeons & Dragons fans behind it. There are people who understand the culture. There are people who understand my language and are tweeting the stuff that I find is funny and I have value with this and I'm going to share it. Tweeting out pre-order Dark Alliance June 22nd, like you're not going to get much engagement. No one's going to retweet that. But if you tweet like, hey, I just murdered Shrek as an entire family, <laughs> people are, are more Wait, interested. I didn't know it was his whole family too. See, I, I only saw the I was first like, movie and I didn't know like he had a whole family and people were just like, what about his children and, and his wife? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, they're they're so dead. <laughs> oh my God. And here I was like, in my head, I was like, Dritz and Fiona, can I see it? Maybe? But, nope, guess not. Nope. nope. Cameron Diaz awful. also had a, had a bounty. Gingy better be okay. You better not <laughs> lay hands we, we, we on him. all the way home. He was my favorite. That's amazing. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, uh, even even with um, when you're working on a content calendar and a campaign leading up to 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 like a date, like a launch date, uh, it does involve creating a narrative for that because you don't want to just put everything out on the table. For instance, uh, Mr. Joe Mangiello, thank you very much for for tweeting. I love engaging with you. Uh, I had a whole storyline written out, and just like in D and D, sometimes something pops up, and it's like, well. My, my players didn't even go to this cool place that I set up for them, so now I've got to write something else on the fly. That is very Dungeon Mastery. Yeah. And I like, even in your, uh, not necessarily criticism, but the idea of being like, pre-order on June 22nd, pre-order, pre-order, you're still getting the marketing messages out there, even in a uh, satirical way, right? And I think that's, that's a special talent, too, for, for community managers. Exactly. No one likes being marketed to. No one right. likes like like a telemarketer calls. You don't want to talk to them. All they want to do is sell you something. Uh, it, it's not too different on social media because yeah, we we do want to sell you something. But you know, we're also fans. We also want to entertain. We understand that this is something that people love. I love it. And so I don't want to take it and drag it through the mud and make it something boring, make it something you want to hang up on, make it something like, oh, Dark Alliance is tweeting again, June 22nd, and see how I keep getting that date in there for for y'all. It's like, I I hope I'm being entertaining to you. Uh, You might not notice I'm marketing to you. Yeah. Brain did. Exactly. I feel like something's happening on June 22nd. I don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the same thing that dungeon masters do when you're like, oh, yeah, you don't see anything in this room except for a shadow over in the corner. And they'll keep being like, oh, by the way, there is a shadow over in the corner until <laughs> someone's like, I want to investigate that shadow over in the corner. And then you're like, good, because that's where the content is. And you're right. Like, it's the same thing. You want to kind of subtly reinforce those messages in ways that don't feel uh, uh, obtrusive. And you're doing a great job at it. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Just got to lead the players to where you want them to go. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to watch more of your live streams uh, each Friday. What time uh, do those go? They're on noon uh, on Pacific time. So I guess that's three o'clock Eastern time. 
Nice. And it's every Friday in perpetuity or just leading up to the release? Just leading up to the release. We're doing, uh, right now we have six shows. Like maybe, maybe if it got super popular, uh, we would do more. But we're, do, we're filming our third show today. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have three more after that up until launch. Very exciting. Awesome. Very cool. Well, check that out. That's on twitch.tv slash DND. It is. It's also on the Dark Alliance uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, please give that a follow. We're Dark Alliance everywhere. Go, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to, to Twitter, go to YouTube. It's slash Dark Alliance, at Dark Alliance, whatever it is. Uh, please feel free to follow and communicate. Say nice things because I'm the person that's reading it. Aww. And uh, if you say something cool, I might reply with something even cooler back. So. Wow. <laughs> That's a heavy promise. Some of All my right. uh, classic wit here. I rolled a 15 earlier, but now I got an 18, and I feel like oh, I know you even better. Me too. Oh, man. You roll with advantage now. That's right. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Josh. Uh, love all the stuff you're doing. And that has been a wonderful insight check into community management. Thank you all very much for having me. Thanks, Josh. So that was uh, the first time you got to meet Josh, wasn't it, Shelley? I have never, ever met him or saw his name uh, um, until a, an email a few days ago. So perfect timing. That's since all of the inside checks you've been throwing at me uh, while running Drunky Two Shoes through Waterdeep, uh, it feels apt that you would be making an inside check for, uh, you know, coworkers at this point. Mm-hmm, I agree. And um, I rolled high, so I'm pretty confident Josh is. A really nice guy and a good addition to the team. Nice. All right. Uh, another good addition to the Dungeons & Dragons community is the audio podcast Carcerum. So let's get uh, Dana and Shane on the line and hear all about it. Let's do it. Everyone, let's welcome Shane Salk and Dana Powers to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh. So happy to have you here. Oh, the commute thank you. was terrible. Oh, <laughs> yes, I know. This time of day, especially. <laughs> so, speaking of commutes, bad traffic, um, Shane, are you a Washingtonian? I am. I'm Whoa. from Seattle. I'm from there. I have not been up this entire time, but I'm going up very soon, which is exciting. But oh. I grew up in Seattle and then uh, I love it up there. So you, I, I may have read this somewhere, but mm. are, did you grow up in the U District? I grew up around, around the U District, it? close. I mean, I would, I could walk to the University Village in the U District from my house. I could hear Husky Stadium from where I lived, oh, okay. so I always knew when somebody scored and when they scored touchdowns and stuff. So that was yep. always really fun. Were you in yeah. the U District when Wizards had their game center? Um. You're dating him. You're making him see if if he's young or old at this point. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, Wizards Wizards of the Coast had their big thing downtown, and we used to go there for birthdays and stuff. With with um, they had like video games, and it was like the, the the. the really cool one where you the the seats moved up and down and you shot balloons and all these things. Oh wow! So that's that's what I really remembered more than more than anything in the U district. But uh, I don't know when that was. I I high school was when I started hanging out in the U district a lot. 
Okay. So that was like the place that we would hang out. We're like, what do we want to do? Oh, let's go get boba at the U district. Or, I mean, this is dating myself, but we used to go to the tower records there and just go <laughs> through all the scratched CDs because they were like a dollar or $2 and they always worked fine. That's what we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aww. Those were the days. I know. Yeah. Going to Such blockbuster or something. Good, wholesome yep. fun. They don't sell uh, MP3s the same way. No. They Not should. The Scratched MP3s. Scratched I think would be a really big market. <laughs> you don't get to like flip through the racks and look no. at them. Yeah. <laughs> I still have plenty of CDs in my car. And In Sync Christmas is not one of them. <laughs> Not that would be embarrassing. Not currently in my car physically. I mean, Seattle, I had every single one of the Presidents of the United States of America CDs because they're uh, a Seattle band. Yes, saw them yeah. at Bumbershoot. Saw them at Bumbershoot myself. <laughs> I saw them at, at the, probably, I saw them at their like reunion concert, oh, um, yeah. at the street concert in Capitol Hill. Ca- yeah, Capitol Hill Block Party. Yeah, I was there. Yes, nice. I think I was there too. And actually, incidentally, the other day, Lump came on the radio and nice. when I was driving home from Ikea with my son. And uh, I still know every word, and it holds up. It was actually... Because there's like two words in this song. Lump. She's Lump. <laughs> She's Lump. <laughs> You're like, I knew the my chorus, son, like the back yeah. of my yep. hand. My son was like... Because I have a lump on my hand. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very familiar. Anyway, just, you know... Thought that was a cool connection. I didn't yeah. realize that you were also a Seattleite. Yes, very much so. Cool. Mm-hmm. And you guys are in LA now, right, Dana? Are you in, in in Los Angeles? We are in Los Angeles. We are in North Hollywood, technically. Actually, Shane and I are in different locations at this moment, <laughs> but we're only about a five minute walk from each other oh. at this moment. Um, <laughs> if yeah, I was if I was committed to the joke, I would just leave and then show uh, up at her camera. And her you could say you're running to the bathroom and get here pretty and get quick. There. Yeah, but, exactly. um, do it. No, Shane. Shane's at the studio that uh, we both work at, and I happen to live around the corner. Oh, I grew handy. up just north of San Francisco, but uh, I've been in LA for like almost 15 years now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you two are working together in a studio, uh, making some audio happen with we the sure Carcerum. Uh, am I, am I, did I say that right? Carcerum. 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 Not yeah. a word we've all been like using <laughs> in our vocab in our lives. Not yet. Until now. Carcerum, yeah. baby. People will know what it means. Well, you'll, you'll hear, be like, well, at least I know what it is pronounced as. Car- carcerum? carcerum? That's okay. I've heard, I've heard Carcerum. Carcinium, car, car, <laughs> carcinogen. I, yeah, yeah. No, it, it takes some effort, but uh, carcinium. Like the serum of a car, which has nothing to do with the oh. story, but it helps no. you remember. It's, it's actually a Latin. It's it's a Latin word, yeah. meaning prison. Ooh. That's a little. That's a little trivia for people. I'm gonna Ooh. incarcerate that joke. There you go. That's probably <laughs> that's the same root, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what? Yeah, tell us uh, what is the, the elevator pitch for a car serum, and what is it all about? I, I'll throw that to either of you. Which one wants to take it? Shane. Shane, do uh, it. Well, car serum. It's a, an, a fully cinematic audio series, so there's no visual. It's uh, original story, ca- uh, full cast. We have 120 characters in the first season. Oh my god! Original sound effects, original music, um, and it's really much more like watching a Michael Bay movie than listening to an audiobook. Um, it's a, a mix between sort of Princess Bride and Lord of the Rings. Um, there's this 
fantasy, high fantasy world where magic about 80 years ago was banned. There used to be these really great um, guardians that were protecting everybody and they disappeared. And then magic became feared. And there are these um, vigils who are just going around grabbing kids that show magic and kidnapping them. And the world's kind of not so fun, but there's a prophecy that's been passed down. And Aura and a few of our friends decide that uh, they all need to fulfill this prophecy or help it to be fulfilled. Okay. So that's and Dana, you theory. play Aura? And I play Aura. Yeah. Yes, I do. What, Shane's uh, in there as well. But, I am. Uh, <laughs> 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 but yes, I play Aura. <laughs> What uh, uh, yeah, is she like a D and D character in that kind of trope? What, what describe Aura for us? Um, actually, funny enough, okay, I had never played D and D before until we were creating Carcerum before we started recording. Nice. And uh, my good friend Ben Campbell, who I've known for a very long time, is now in Los Angeles. Um, he was running a D&D campaign, or he was about to start one, and he was actually uh, giving me sword fighting lessons for Carcerum because uh, we're, all, we're all theater people, and we wanted this to be as immersive and accurate to what you would see on the stage or screen as possible. Um, and Aura does uh, quite a few you know, sword fights and hand hand uh, uh, combat. So my friend Ben, we were in the parking lot. He was he, we were sword fighting, and he was like, "Dina, I I know you're a little intimidated to play D and D, but I just think that it's gonna help you with these these fantasy worlds and this environment, and it's gonna expand your imagination." And I grew up with um, a number of my family members playing D&D a lot. I actually think my cousin has been on your podcast, Celeste Conowich. Oh my gosh, she's your cousin? Oh my God. That, that's my cousin. What? Yeah, she's the DM for Venture Maidens. Yes. Which I'm, I'm sure your listeners know. Yeah, um, she contributed to uh, uh, Icewind Dale, Dale the Frost Maiden yeah, stuff. she's uh, wonderful. She's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, no, she's so badass. And so Celeste is my cousin. She's obviously very well versed in the D&D world. Yes. Um, and my uncle plays a lot of D and D, and my my whole mom's side of the family really. Um, and I Did we interview always, your uncle too? Oh no, yeah, we're gonna have to. <laughs> Maybe uh, Bob. Bob Reed. Uncle Bob. Right? Uncle, uncle Bob. Bob. All right. Well, book Uncle him. Bob Hi, is uncle a Bob. is a cool dude. Um, nice. He's a funky, funky dude. Um, <laughs> I like him already. I think. I mean, if would, you know anything about Dana's family, they have to be. He's a he's a entomologist. He studies butterfly wings, um, oh. and he he teaches at Cornell. Uh, oh. And he had a band Ithaca. called Ithaca Ithaca College. Another Ithaca connection. Yeah, we, we yeah. Have, we always look for those Ithaca connections. Okay, see, so I'm <laughs> surrounded by people who are definitely in this world, but I was like a little bit nervous to get into it. I I don't know what I was expecting, but anyway, Ben Ben and I were sword fighting in the par- parking lot, and he was like, "I really, really think you should do this. I'm going to start this campaign." So. We started it, and I just named my character Aura because I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna name her Aura and see where this goes." Now, what Aura in our D and D campaign became over time is extremely different from Aura in Carcerum. Um, Aura in uh, the Dragon Fighting Society, the DFS, as we like to call ourselves, um, has 
negative charisma. And she, uh, I mean, she's a good fighter, but she does not know how to talk with people at all. She has no social cues. She's a little aggressive and violent. Uh, where Aura in Carcerum, the beautiful thing about her is she has so much faith in a better world. Um, she sees all these corrupt things around her, corrupt people, corrupt uh, monsters, a corrupt system. Uh, but she holds on to hope and she truly believes in the good in people and and the good in the world and turning things around. And she's she's such an ally for for those around her. Um, and she has sort of this uh, innocence, but at the same time, she's a extremely skilled fighter um, and does have a very um, leadership role. There's sort of a fellowship kind of similar to the Lord of the Rings. There's sort of a fellowship that come together in, in Carcerum and um, it, you know, she, she's sort of the hero of the story, but I would say the team of friends and misfits that are brought together um, are ultimately the hero uh, of the story. But um so anyway, I, I'm sure I got off track there, but but yes, wow. she's sort of she's sort of in my D and D experience in my life so far, as well as Carcerum, but very two different versions of Aura. <laughs> so I would just like to, I just want to clarify one thing that you said. Yes, you are sword fighting in a parking lot. <laughs> yes, but afraid of playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes. Okay, I just want to make sure that you know that. the <laughs> intellect versus the physical. I got We're stuck so- on that one little little, little part there, uh, but actually, uh, I your fears are actually totally validated and shared by many. I know that my first time before, I, I mean, I worked for the company that published D and D, and I refused to play it for seven years because I'm like, no. Nope. I thought that they were going to make me sword fight in a parking lot. That's what I thought D&D was. For some reason, that's less intimidating. I think it's just, it's such a, um, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but as I'm surrounded by, and I use this as a very complimentary word, nerdy people. And, and I really aspire to be like a nerd. I really do. And I'm hoping osmosis is a thing for the people around me. Um, the gamers, the D&D, you know, folk or whatever it is around me, because I, I really think it takes a incredibly intelligent individual uh, with the imagination and just the, I don't know how clever you are in this and that. But I mean, I quickly found out after one session that it was improvising with my friends mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's just storytelling and, and building upon each other. And it's very collaborative. I think I, I thought there was going to be a lot more pressure on myself to come up with things. And I mean, within 15 minutes, I was, and, and it was a campaign of newbies. Yeah, I mean, everybody there around the table, this was um, February, 2020. So this is <laughs> a month before the pandemic hit. Yeah. It was probably one of the last, like, social things we did together. And our group kept growing because Shane had never played D&D either. Um, And my husband, who's like, it is up his alley, he had never played. And so the campaign just kept, like, building and building, like, how many people were in it. And all of us newbies were coming together, and we were like, oh, my God, this is so fun. Like, how was I not playing this before? Because obviously it's just building your imagination and um, all these skills I, I guess I, I had, but I, I didn't realize what it was yeah. going to be like. So anyway, newbie here. Yep. Not anymore, I suppose. But. No, you're in it to win it now. No, I am. Yeah. 
So right. Shane, you played in this campaign, and then yeah. So I mean, we've been playing this campaign for a year now. It's still going on. It was every yeah. Saturday we've been playing. So you just made it a virtual campaign when the right. pandemic it, was. Going it, we on? did. Yeah. yeah or still going yeah. on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I had never played either. I've had friends that have played. Like Dana was saying, I've I've been around it, but I've never. The intimidation thing for me was that everybody that I always talked to knew about it. And I'm like, well, what's the level of entry here? I don't really know any of these rules. And I'm used to, I love board games. I love like Settlers of Catan and Risk and all these things. And, you know, you got to learn these rules. And they're like, no, you don't have to. Come on in. And I'm like, that seems wrong. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can you guys hear me? We can still hear Hi. you. We, we can, can hear you. you. Well, that's good. Um, that was kind of right. cool. Did second. the power it's, go out? I cast darkness. That would be I know. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh hey, yeah, there you go. That was bizarre. That was kind of cool. Um, so what happened? Do it again. Do it again. So theater tricks. Yeah, uh, I, um, I never really. I was like always like, yeah, I'm willing to play, but I never went out and like sought out to play it. And then Ben contacted me too, and uh, hello, hello, what's going on? Hello. Um, that's the, our doorbell. At the studio. At the There's, studio. Oh my god! Uh, and you're gone again. And he's gone again. Something about the doorbell and the, the turning. Oh, I wonder if it's like. Is it, do you have a, a ring thing or something no, that's that pulling? Um, we're gonna fix this. If it happens one more time, I'm gonna just switch cameras. Um, okay. But um, Ben uh, contact me because we're all in know people uh, know each other in the voiceover world. And he says, "Would you come and play?" And I was like, absolutely. I, you know, this is the end. And I said, but I've never played before, so you're gonna have to, you know, walk me through it. Okay, oh. this is it. This is, <laughs> this is ridiculous sauce. I am so done with technology. I mean, it's kind of like your medium, though. Like we just hear you. We don't actually yeah. oh, see you. So there it is. It's just it's the connection. You're just this you're just is giving experience. us a taste of what hey. it's like. Oh, hello. Hey yo. So we're getting rid of this really nice camera. And going here. <laughs> it's time for webcams. Talk about improv. That's yeah, right. That's what. This could this. be going better. I'm just letting you know. You're a stage manager <laughs> I think it's too, going aren't you? Wonderful. Yeah. You so, did not panic. Oh, good. Um, so what happened was uh, I went and he. I said I don't know how to build a character. And he's like, Well, here's a character sheet. Just name them. And I was like, Okay, great. And the thing that I love about it, and I learned very quickly, and I think this goes very far for anybody that can DM. And the thing that I love, I have no desire to DM. I have no desire to have any of that, that kind of control or anything. And my favorite thing to do is to look at Ben and go, all right, this is what I want to do. You tell me if I can do this. And then he just walks me through it. <laughs> so I was like, look, I want to throw the rope over that tree and then swing and kick the guy in the head. But while I'm doing it, I'm going to shoot an arrow behind me. And he's like, okay, you can do something like that. <laughs> Maybe if you roll well. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um I have very high acrobatics, so I can get away with stuff like that too. Shane's name in our campaign is Hogo the Rogue Hobo. <laughs> that's that's what I am. Yeah. I'm a rogue hobo. <laughs> and that just the rest happened from there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of times it goes, eh, everyone's talking about things and goes, Hogo doesn't care. <laughs> goes takes a nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's tired from all and those acrobatics. Exactly. Exactly. Flips over a log while doing but, it. But I, I mean, it's been great. And it really is because 
uh, as one of the, the head writer of Carcerum, it's the same thing of, well, what's around you? How do you create the world? It is world building at its finest. And the DM does a lot of it. And then you interact with different things and you go, well, what's behind the bar? And the DM goes, I don't know, let's find out. And they come up with something. But it is so much fun and so much, um, there's so, the, the stuff that we did in D&D helps Carcerum in a way that I never really expected. Yeah. Um, so how, yeah, how are those two related, your campaign and the storyline and script of Carcerum? They're not at all. Um, the other than the name of the, the one character, the literally the only connection yeah. would be that my name's Aura. In our yeah, campaign. I mean, we started. We've uh, it took us a while, so we had writers' weekends about three years ago, and and wrote out the first story. Uh, you know, the, we have 32, 31, 32 episodes in the first season, and we had written all of that before we even started playing D anD. d they're really not even the same groups of people. I mean, Dane and I and a couple other people from the that um, campaign are in the show as people that we wrote. But it was much more of um, ways to think about the world and ways that... And the freedom of, well, if we can do anything in these D&D campaigns, which are fantasy, we can literally do these same, you know, physicalities and, and uh, sound designs and stuff in Carcerum. And not be held back. It's not. Uh, it was really much more of how you can think about the characters and stuff. Because D and D, you really get deep into who is this character. Yeah. 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 Have yeah. you? Do you think your um, like the writing process for? Have you started writing the next season? Uh, well, there there are ideas. We haven't had our writers all come together. We find our final episode came out uh, on the the last, last Tuesday of. Yeah. It was yeah. Yeah, uh, last the last week of April. The last week okay. of April. So, oh, so now it's Recently. bingeable. Yeah. It, yes. That's, now it's that's bingeable. All. And you know that's what? You I need. think it's I I would definitely recommend listening to Carcerum in a bingeable way. There's like a little over 10 hours, I think, total. Um, and now that people are traveling again, they're doing road trips to see their families or whatever it is, like I, I think the perfect thing would be getting on a plane, you know, for whatever, your five-hour flight, put your earbuds in, close your eyes, and just sort of disappear into the world of it because it's it's a, it's a particular uh, experience. I mean, it's very... Just like Game of Thrones. You can't really casually put Game of Thrones on and then be like, I'm going to do the dishes and my laundry and, and right. follow along. You have along to pay with, attention. You, you really have to pay yeah. attention and lose yourself in it. But the sound design, uh, the score, just everything that's happening is so immersive and yeah. you really do lose yourself in it. And you, 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 you know, we, we have people that are always like, oh God, I watched the latest episode and this and that. Like the Freudian slip of I watched, watched. it or whatever comes out all the time. Cause I think, um, you know, your brain during it just sort of goes to this, like, I'm watching this film uh, sort of experience. It's yeah. very immersive. It's very immersive. I love it, too. As a, as, I mean, I, I, I've been fascinated with people making audio dramas like this, some of which are based off of actual play, right? And then they mm -hmm. edit it and, and make it better. Sounds like this one, though, is much, uh, you know, scripted, right? So that you have lines that are, that you, and so what is that like when you are having people in the booth and have to, you know, coach them and direct them and things like that. Is that, is that you, Shane, or is that other, others on uh, the team? Me and my part, uh, my producer partner, Bill Holmes, um, 
have been are the ones you know recording everybody and because of covid as one of the reasons we don't have people in the booth at the same time mm. um so one of our main jobs is to make it sound like everybody's in the same room and in the same space i did i did a show uh that launched in 2009 called we're alive that um was sort of the first of this kind of thing and this is even a way step above that in terms of sort of what I'm trying to do and make you make, you know, the the pictures you play in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, That was zombies. This is fantasy. Um, But when we're, when we're directing people, we literally give them for, um, you know, when they're sword fighting, we, you know, for a while we were handing Dana, you know, a 10 pound weight. Well, and that that's part of why I was doing these sword lessons, because obviously this was pre-pandemic, <laughs> and we had this concept of really being in the booth with each other, whether we were actually, like, making contact with the swords. Um, we were, like, thinking we might block it out in the studio and oh, cool. at least have these giant weights in hand, and we did for the uh, first episode or two. Um, and we started out with me and some other people in the booth— Physically, you know, staging it with each other and sparring. Um, we tried it with little lav mics on so that we could actually act it out and see what happened. And then very quickly, the world um, <laughs> changed. Yeah. And you know what? I think ultimately, I won't speak for Shane, but ultimately, it, it was better and easier yeah. to do it that way. I mean, we would we were heading towards the way we did it anyway, um, mostly because we got better sound. Um, people talking over each other uh, is harder to edit around. Um, and um, But we did. I mean, Bill and I, in our heads, we block out every single fight, every single thing. We could write out exactly what happens, and then we're uh, relaying that to the actors. Saying, okay, so now you up, you're up here, and then you swipe at the legs, and then you jump, and then you roll, and all those things. It's, it became a very physical thing. So one of our main jobs as the directors is going, the actor has no, no concept, no idea of what is they're seeing, what's there. So we are um, giving ideas and, and, and uh, letting them to create these pictures in their own heads. Um, because one of my biggest things about the audio genre, if you will, is my job is not to get you to see what's in my head my job is to allow you to see whatever is in yours. Right. Specifics are very important because it allows you to go, oh, well, this and that uh, are happening. But if you see a, if I see a stick and I'm designing a stick and you see a sword, great. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It's still a story. And to be frank, the listener is a much better, you know, visual designer than I am, but I'm going to take all the credit for it. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I I love the way that you're describing this because it's something that I feel a lot of dungeon masters could internalize, right? Yeah. Because there is this idea that, you know, the dungeon masters create every, every, uh, you know, thing for the, the players, but they don't really, they're doing the same thing that you're talking about where they're trying to create your own, those pictures inside each of the players' minds, and hopefully have that be aligned with everyone else's thing, but not necessarily. And using those specific examples, thinking about the physicality of, of what things are happening is so much more fun and immersive than, oh yeah, you swung your sword and you did 10 damage, let's move on. Right. And I, 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 I hope that people who are listening to this would uh, jump into listening to Carcerum so that they can get some of those cues and see how they can make 
these cinematic feeling events happen just with the power of their voice. <laughs> and and it really is. It's it's um it's interesting because the dungeon master has such a power of like you walk into a bar and then they describe some stuff and some of it is superfluous and you're just like there's a door over there and I'm like well I want to see what's in that door or you search around and you're like you find a door and I was like well I wouldn't have found that door if I didn't look um and in this we have we start you off with a bang like we don't we don't hold your hand into this thing we're going this is what it's going to be strap in um but I'll have people go well during this fight like you know they were with the swords and then they started running up the hill and then she you know she fell over right and I'm like I didn't know there was a hill. Great. Yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Which makes me think of one of my favorite stories yes. um, in <laughs> Carcerum so far. Uh, well, actually, side note before that, an incredible thing that Shane and the other writers did was they didn't assign a gender or a certain look really to any of these characters. Uh, they they wrote it so that any of these um people could could be anything and then and Shane and Bill had a lot of people in mind for the casting and then a lot of the other people sort of came along uh during which is it. very D&D of it because they go tell me who your character is and yeah. that's mm-hmm. I mean those are the kinds of things that are really great that that I can pick up from the playing the D&D stuff yeah and there were plenty of people who came in well, okay, now I'm having like so many different thoughts. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible cast and we were so fortunate to have a number of really uh, sort of legendary people that we really admire. Um, some of them like Neil <coughs> Flynn, who was the janitor on Scrubs and, and the show, he was on the show The Middle and he has a, a fantastic career. He grew up with Bill Holmes, one Mm. of the co-creators. He plays a character called Vorloff. But there were other people like Jane Lynch, who wound up in Carcerum just kind of by happenstance. Like she, I I can let Shane tell the story, but she just needed a studio to record something in, um, (laughs) found herself in Shane's studio. Uh, and then while she was there recording her, you know, commercial or whatever it was, uh, Shane and Bill were just kind of like shooting the shit. And she's known Bill for a little while. He was like, hey, uh, you want to be on our show? <laughs> you know, and she was like, sure. I mean, I mean, she heard some of what we had done and she's like, I like this and I'll yeah. do you a favor. And so but Jane's that, that's an how example, a lot of people got in. She's an example of someone who, because it happened in that way, when she came in for her role, she really created it on the spot. So that's sort of what I'm getting at in the D&D sense of like, you know, obviously this show was written out with a lot of detail and you guys knew exactly where it was headed. But people would come in along the way and shape their own characters um, with whatever their natural instincts were. And Shane and Bill have this incredible way of sort of like going with the flow of that. You know what I mean? Like going yeah. off what that person felt inspired to do in that moment. And 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 it's it's about not coming in with the pre- preconceived notion of like, well, this is what I want to happen today. It's, yeah. we have some ideas and let's see what you do. We literally rewrote characters and scripts and stuff once somebody came in and we're like, well, what they're doing is more interesting that's in my head. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cameron Crowe, we got in this show randomly the director, and um, he came in and we had this idea of this big, like, burly character and he doesn't have that voice. So we literally 
on the spot because of what he was doing and everything, we changed the entire scene to be this Don Knotts character <laughs> funny scene. And it's it's great. And he had a great time. And that's really, again, what, what we're about more than almost anything else is the names that we have in this are people that came in and were like, I like your guys' vibe. And I hear some of the samples of what you're doing. And this is really cool. It's not because we have a bunch of money because we don't. <laughs> um, it's it, and with that same D and D thing, I remember Ben looking at being like, "So, what do you guys want to do?" And I would, you know, somebody would say something, and he'd go, "Okay, we're going down that trail." Blah blah blah. And then at the end of the session, he goes, "Yeah, uh, I put up a bunch of Barrett because I haven't designed any of what you guys are doing. I don't know uh, what this is, oh, but man. we're gonna find out next week." DM and things like is, that. Is He's just... amazing. It's All the DMs most are amazing. In- incredible position. And I and I so bow down to anybody who does it. Truly, I have so much respect for it. Yeah. Yeah. Me well, too. What you're saying is is exactly what uh makes the DND DNA of this podcast uh so apparent, right? Because you, even though you say it's scripted and you wrote the stuff. It doesn't actually sound like that. It, 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 was, it was an improv session in some ways, right? And you just took yeah. the people and saw their their performances and then adapted the storyline. And I don't think you'd be able to do that. Well, I know you're, it's very difficult to do that in a play or a movie or a TV yeah. show. Like you need to have everything you know, predetermined and you guys have this ability to just take the audio and be like, all right, well, we'll edit it differently and, 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 and put it together in such a way as to make a cohesive story that brings out what made that performer so excited about doing it in the first place, which is very rare to be able to do. And one of the things to remember is that all of these, it's so interesting because 95% of the actors did not have the other actor in that scene to play off of. So the person that they're talking to is in their head. So they have a picture of who they're talking to. Uh, Bill and I are like feeding lines sort of uh, in terms of like, you know, so they can read with somebody. So every single person that has any effect on this show left the room thinking one thing or thinking about something totally differently. And it really is a a collective of all of these ideas that we go, well, that's amazing. That's, I love that. And then um, the audience is the final one because they're all seeing something totally different like Dana's mother. Oh yeah, which was the thought I was supposed to go down, which was that when my mom was listening, (laughs) I won't reveal too much about where she was at, but it's about uh, episode four or five and you meet this new group of people. um, And she was like, oh, I loved when the centaurs came in. And I was like, the what? And she's like, the, cent- the centaurs. I love the centaurs. And I was like, oh my God, I do not know what she's talking about. But something about the tone, the gravitas of this particular group of people, my mom just was picturing centaurs. Wow. And it was, that's just what her imagination did. And she's not wrong. If she wants to picture them as centaurs, she can. Um, and I just thought that that was kind of incredible. And we were, we were laughing because that was pretty early on, obviously. I think that's episode, I don't know, four or five. Maybe four. 32 episodes and already you know there was this example of like wow this is what people's imaginations are gonna do with this and i love it and there's no reason it can't be that you know that's awesome Um, and uh i love that uh centaurs was was where she went too because it's like i think kate welch has said uh, many times you know former former D &D team member of of, (laughs) everyone is hotter 
uh, uh, centaurs are hot no matter what they are. Yes. And, and that must have been what your mom was thinking Oh, about. they sounded sexy, I'm sure. It was um, uh, Townsend Coleman. I don't know if you guys know him. He was, he was uh, the, the, the tick. original voice of the tick. Uh, oh, and, no and way, really? On the, the animated Ninja series? Turtles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah, amazing. Did I'm he have his shirt off when he was recording? No, but he did have a a he did have it. So we did it remotely. So we set up very quickly to be able to record remotely for for people who have the setups and stuff. And he had just tick the tick behind him as an action figure, and he was also one of the teenage the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We have like four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in this, and Krang. It's (laughs) insane. I don't know how this happened. No. Three of the Ninja Turtles were the same turtle. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which one? I'm just curious. Which turtle? Uh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. I want to say Michelangelo. It was Uh, was Robbie Robbie Rist. And then Richard Horowitz plays... Who's Richard? uh, No, he's he's in... He wasn't a turtle. He wasn't a turtle? No, Townsend Coleman was a turtle. And then um, uh, Rob Paulson Rob Paulson. Pinky Um, in the Brain. He's uh, Pinky. And that's why I recognize that name. Yeah. Actually, hey, that's Krang? Krang was Pat Fraley. Oh, Pat Fraley. Pat Fraley played Krang, and he all, he's again a huge voiceover guy. And he, you see him in like episode six or seven as, as this little gnome thing. And he came in, and he was hilarious. He's hilarious. He's probably one of my favorite yeah. characters. And I, I don't know anything about the ideas for season two, but I certainly hope we're headed back to certain uh, towns that we yeah. came across. You know, when you're you got to get those centaurs back. Oh man, like. well, <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we do. So with season two, mm-hmm. do you think now that you've got this year of, of D&D experience under your belt, do you, do you feel like, well, actually, this is going to be a two-part question. Okay. One, when you first went on that writer's weekend, mm-hmm. when you guys were all, all together crafting the narrative for season one, I want to go back. I just want to hear like what that weekend, what, what was that like? And then for, for season two, do you think that any part of the original process will change now that you've got this the experience with D&D and, and running a yeah. campaign and all that. Absolutely on all counts. Um, the, the Writer's Weekend, we had myself and Bill Holmes and then uh, Jojo Hendrickson, who is who was sort of ran the weekend and, and took all the notes and sort of led us down the paths that, that we all wanted to go. Um, Aaron Castellan, Laura Davey, um, they were all, those were two of our, our main writers, script writers, along with myself. Um, and uh, George Ackles, who plays Hal, and my friend Luke McKinley. And at one point or another, all of these people were there. And we sat down the first, we, only, we had two days. We sat down the first day and go, okay. We had sort of an idea of what the story was going to be on a basic level of, of the world and stuff. But basically that first day was just world building. It was, what is this type of world? What are the rules? What kind of people are there? Uh, what are the rules of magic? What are the rules of society? What's it look like to us? And that's what we really did the first day and kind of was like, what do we? What path do we want to go down? And then we did a, a little bit of, of episode building. And the second day, we did a lot more of episode building and talked about the kind of characters that we wanted to to run into and like, oh, it would be, you know, it would be interesting if we came across this kind of person. And then, well, with the world building that we did the day before, it it helped sort of establish those improv rules, so to speak, and go, well, it, it takes you down this path, 
without having to go, yeah, but there are no rules. And we could still go anywhere we wanted to. And, and that was, it was incredible. There were a few rules that I set up from the beginning. And one of them, like Dana said, is no character um, has a gender. There's no, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big believer when it comes to casting um, that if it doesn't matter to the actual specific story, gender, race, all that stuff, sexuality doesn't, doesn't need to be in the casting notice for the most part. Um, and uh, the other one is, since we get to build a world, um, I want to build a world that I would rather be in in a lot of ways. So I said, you know, we can have a lot of these things, but socially, you know, there is no social inequality in genders. Uh, it's, you know, nobody is going to go up to it. We decided pretty early on uh, Aura was going to be female, I think. Like I said, there's not a whole lot. There there were um, not a lot of people, but we had a few actors in mind to play Aura, which is why we were like, oh, well, it would be really cool if it was female with this actress, this actress. Because Dana, we didn't bring on Dana until after uh, a while. Um, did you but, have to audition, Dana? I, I just peer pressured them right into it. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I've got a sword. Them and drilled up. Yeah, I was like, do you guys see what I'm doing out in the parking lot? Yeah. I'll bring this indoors. <laughs> That's I'm, what the yeah. training was really for. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's... Audition tips for all of you young actors. We could not have been more blessed to have Dana in like a thousand different ways. And then I paid ways. him to say that as well. And I will take <laughs> as much money as possible. Um, we need to get money for season two, so I will take all of it. Um... <laughs> But that was, so nobody's going to Aura and going, you're just a girl. You're just, hey, little girl. I mean, they could say you're too small, like that kind of thing, where it's the physicality thing. But But nobody is looked down upon because of race, gender, um, sexuality, any of that stuff. I just was like, no, we're not doing any of that. Um, So that was one thing all the writers had to keep out for when we were writing. And I I told every actor that came in, I go, look, if you see something in the script that leads to that kind of, Again, even if it's something small, um, That's cool. a, a negative, you know, stereotype of that kind of thing, we're cutting it. I don't want it. Um, so, those kinds of things, and, and we'll do even better next season because I actually one of the, this is has nothing to do with anything, but um, <laughs> I would like to cut out. I think we say like, "What about me and my men?" That kind of thing. I want to come up with new names for those things, but. Um, so we looked out for all of those kinds of things in terms of of the writing. And it was just, we sat out in Bill's backyard and we had two of the most fun days coming up with all of these things that you possibly could. And then do you feel like because you have a year of D&D under your belt, that's going to shape your... Absolutely. It really, it it shows you how to think. And, and after doing this season in D&D, it's like, well, what is in that corner? You know, of the story, of the space, of, of anything, you can go, well... If I if I did roll for discovery, what would I find? Maybe it's in the story, maybe it's not. But the the improv and the quick thinking and the the playing off of what the dungeon master says and what your fellow uh, you know players say, all of those things really do um, come into effect when you're writing, when you're sound designing. Uh, especially with the sound design, it's always like, well, what around this space would make noise? And uh, that's part of the fun of it, too. You know, that's what makes it immersive. It's like, well, what does the floor sound like? What do the walls sound like? What does the walls do to the voice? How many people are in this space? The amount of days I walked in and Shane was sitting there like, what does a silent 
owl flying through the night sound like? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. made these like obscure things where I'm like, nothing? I don't know. I, Whispering. And, he, and then yeah. he has to decide what kind of shoes every single character is wearing because yeah. he has to come up with the the sound for each character and how they each sound different. So then he has to know if it's a dirt road or if it's wood or if yeah. it's this. I mean, the level of detail. I know, Shane, that you said you have no interest in being a DM at any point. I but really if you don't. think about the level of imagination and specificity you have had to come up with for 32 episodes. It would be so much easier just to be a DM. I believe yeah. it. The reason I'm like, I don't really want to be a DM is because I see how much work it. it's got to be. And I'd rather be the guy going, all right, tell me if I can do this. I want to jump on that bird there and it's going to drop me, but everyone's going to look at me. And then while that's happening, I'm going to throw a barrel over my shoulder. I want to be that guy because yeah. it's so much um Because you're easy. not that guy when it comes to Carcerum. You have to be right. the guy coming up with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any characters or, or storylines that happened in your D&D game that might find their way into season two? Mm. You know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. You never know. I can't tell you because there are people that listen to Car Serum uh, that, uh, sorry, somebody just came to the studio and they're calling me and they I'm here. Um, <laughs> the the uh, There are people that play our, our game who have tried to bribe me to tell them what's going to happen in certain things. So mm-hmm. I can't tell you too much about it. But I will say that we have a lot of 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 um <laughs> I'm so sorry. Shane, Shane is in charge okay. of a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but he's you're running a dungeon master. He's dungeon mastering and right now. Have, right. We actually have ideas of creating uh uh you know Dungeons and Dragons games based around yes. the world of Carcerum, either in the past or the future of it. Discovering more about the, you know, the certain towns that Dana was talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. and things like that. So it's it's very exciting, and we do have ideas of what's going to happen in season two. There's a lot of Easter eggs in season one that we want to bring back in season two um, that the writers don't even know about. The writers didn't know what this was going to sound like, so for them, it's amazing to hear it all come to life. And to be honest, I didn't know what it was going to sound like before we were designing it, so there are times when I'm like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I read, I read right. the I entire know. script... Uh, late 2019, and then obviously we recorded it all of 2020, and everything that was going on in the world to record the experience of reading it through the first time and then to record it and then to feel these new parallels that mirrored the world outside. I mean, it was a very um, art imitates life experience along the way. it was really moving a lot of the times and sort of surprised us and shaped our performances. Um, and I feel like that could happen a lot for season two. And even be, being as intimately close to the entire script as I was, uh, the season ends and I still have probably five different cliffhanger questions <laughs> that I'm like, Shane, Shane. So I feel like um, what could happen between now and then could change yeah. a lot. That's very exciting, yeah. and I, you know, not to 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 throw out competing podcasts, but Jeff Goldblum might be available to do some fun. You know, I saw that voice acting. I have. I've seen I don't know what this is. What Jeff what? Goldblum is doing a and D podcast. Oh yeah. my god! Um, what? Yeah. Wait, I, so. I have a prop. <laughs> <laughs> 
that I can't wait to see this. I don't know if it's a D&D prop or a Jeff Goldblum no, prop, I just, but either way. I just wanted oh. to... <laughs> With the oh. shirt off. He's the centaur. Does uh, make sense he's now? He's a centaur. Oh, my <laughs> he God. He is now. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I just wanted to... Hey, we would welcome Jeff Goldblum yeah. into this universe. Gladly. Uh, yeah, amazing. what would he be? I guess he'd be a centaur. Wait, our answer is there. Or a fly, or maybe perhaps. Or a, or a fly. <laughs> what do you want to be, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'll write yeah, the part. You let us know. Leave it up to him. <laughs> yeah. Here's a sword. Go do something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, and we don't, we have so many amazing animation people in this, mm. but when they come in, they're like, so what kind of voice do you want? What do you want? To, and we're all like, natural. It's just your voice for the most part. And, uh, you know, we mentioned um, Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson. They actually were one of the 5% that got to record together. They weren't in the same room, but we had them together. They just have the together. most incredible dynamic. They are a pinky in the brain Yeah. Uh, for anybody out there. I mean, they're the voice of our childhood. Yeah. And their dynamic together, where Shane said before, it would it would present problems when you had two people in the booth together speaking over each other. The, like, amoeba, like, the, the way that Maurice and Rob yeah. come together is just unlike anything else. Well, and they they did voices that they've never done before in any other project. And they were kind of like, well, we've always wanted to do these characters. And we're like, great, come in and wow. do those. And it, it's that kind of morphing that really leads to... Well, and, I, and again, that's why this project is so different than than scripted work, yeah. even even though it was scripted, because you let the, the the performers do the things that they've always wanted to do, but they were always doing someone else's project, right? They were right. always doing mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to be Pinky or I got to be Leonardo. Uh, in this, they were like, you you, and then that's that's D and D, you know, yeah. so much yeah. that you're just like, make what you want, make the the fantasy that you've always had in your head, and that is gratifying for so many voice actors, and I'm, I'm sure it contributes a lot to the success of other things like Critical Role, for example. Of- I think a yeah. lot of vo- yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of voice actors would love D and D if they could find their entry. Point I thought they all did it. <laughs> a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't know about it. You like, just need they, that little yeah. ju- like me. It was Carcerum that that like gave me that little nudge that I had been around, you know, and admired Celeste and other family members who have played. And I would like be in the living room, you know, at holidays, like peeking into them playing Aww. at the table. Like I don't know. If Were you I at the kids' table? This. I, 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 yes. Oh, I, was like, the, I like the idea of there being a kid's table and a D&D table. And that's uh, it. <laughs> Celeste may be my little cousin, but I look up to her. Um, uh, no, That it's would really, be funny if the little kid, the kids are like, no, you're too young to play D&D. This is, this is adult stuff. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I feel like it's just been this like butterfly effect because I, I finally played D&D because of Carcerum, introduced it to like Shane and my husband and different friends but then we got my nephew playing for his first time my nephew is seven um oh. and and my sister and my brother-in-law and my mom and everyone we it, it was kind of one of the silver linings of the pandemic mm. is that uh D has really blown up and i mean i think it really really blew up during these times as far as what i can see um and uh it's because you could do it virtual you can meet up and collaborate with friends and hang out and spend like four hours together you know creating a story and um Carcerum was was sort of the jumping off point for I could safely say like fifteen of my closest friends and family playing for their nice. first time, yeah. um, and that wasn't something we knew would happen. That's a good conversion rate right there. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and and it's one of those things where the more you play it and you sort of mention it to people, the you find out, oh, you play too. And so all of these people play. And I I'm I mean, I want to work on we like doing really silly things around the studio. We we play virtual uh game shows live and things like that with people and and I want to we're we're trying to come up with a way that you can actually have an interactive D&D like TV show so that the audience who is watching live can actually participate and react and stuff like mm. that. So I would never have even thought about this kind of fun element of stuff if it wasn't for just somebody going, you should play. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm going to make this whole audio drama about it too. Do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> So fascinating. I love uh, all of the connections and all the stories. We didn't even get to touch too much on, on the fact that you went to college with Ivan Van Norman, who we've had on the podcast many times. Yeah, I love Ivan. Your blood brother. <laughs> yeah, my blood brother. I mean, we play, like I said, we play uh, we play uh, uh, StarCraft II almost every weekend. And I've known him for 100 million years. That's amazing. Because you're vampires. Because I'm a vampire. Yeah. Exactly. And his what? work uh, for the uh, D&D Live where we were in the City of Waterdeep like very much blends a lot of what we're talking about, which is this performance and gaming and props and uh, sword fighting. All of that was, was blended together for that show. And, you know, I could see a lot of the similarities between your projects uh, here, even though it's, you know, more, more audio-based. And uh, these 32 episodes, uh, I think people should go and binge them. I love that it's only 10 hours. Like, that. I mean, that's a commitment, but it's not... You know, it's not like, yeah, you know, reading a 400-page book. Yeah. It's something that you can get through in a weekend and and really immerse yourself in this story. So I hope a lot of people jump in. And if you need any other excuse, you know, you got Jane Lynch and Cameron Crowe and all these amazing names of performers you've been mentioning from Pinky and the Brain to other folks to want to entice people to get into it. And hopefully it's folks who had never even heard of D&D before, but now we'll, we'll jump into that world and see how they yeah. can uh, create these characters themselves. Yeah. Here's Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we got Piper Laurie in it, who who uh, is the uh, mother um, from Carrie. She's an Oscar nominated. And I mean, these people that you are like, what are you talking about? I audio how only. How did you this wind isn't... up here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's and we like to hear from people too. So please, um, if you hate it, if you love it, write write us because. Um, it's so much fun to hear and fan art. I want to see some fan art too at some point because I don't know what any of the th- stuff looks like. That would but be cool to see everyone's interpretation of. That. I had a, yeah. I have some blind um, or, or visually impaired fans from uh, We Are Alive, which is another audio series that I did, and they've been following. And I had one of them reach out and go, "Hey, what are they wearing during this whole thing? Are they wearing suits? And I'm guessing suits of armor." And I said, "Well, when are you talking about?" They go, "Well, during the whole whole show." And I said, "Um." well, whatever you see is right. And they go, what? Well, isn't there artwork? I go, no, all of our artwork right now is in silhouette. You can't really see what anybody looks like. So you are 100% correct with whatever you see. So that's why I want to see what some people are coming up with with their fan art. And there are, you know, monsters and creatures along the way. And those will get some descriptions sometimes of the sort of blend of, you know, five different kinds of animals put into one uh, intimidating uh, beast. Uh, and so you have a little bit here and there, and I would just love to see someone come up with what that visual is. And I feel like in the D&D community, there are so many incredible artists. Um, so that's the other side of it as well, as I would just, you know, this is just a study in people's imaginations. There are no rules, and that's really what D&D is about, too. There are yeah. really, yeah. there are no rules. I just yeah, want to see what your mom draws those centaurs to look like. Oh. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> ask her for the fan yeah. art. I mean, it's I okay will. if it's, you know, an NSF. She'll FW. watercolor it. Yeah. <laughs> She's great at that. <laughs> Even better. More romantic that way. It's more romantic. <laughs> It'll be like a romance novel cover, I'm sure. <laughs> It's, what? Can, I'm pretty uh, sure no. she was picturing Fabio as a yeah, centaur or something. With the, with the hair. I know. It's so yeah. good. Oh, All yeah. Right. So how can people uh, download and check out this series? What's so the you can find way? it at any of your, uh, any place you find um, podcasts, uh, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, or you can just go to our website at carcerumtheseries.com. So that's C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, theseries.com. You can find us on social media um, at... Carcerum the series at almost everything except for Twitter, which is Carcerum S. So we try to make it easy. And our beautiful original score done by uh, Dave Volpe is on SoundCloud. Um, so for, I always say for for the little ones who maybe um, the fighting and the gore and the, you know, which maybe isn't visual, but our imaginations paint the picture. If that's a little too much for their young minds, uh, they can go to SoundCloud and listen to the score, which is so beautiful and calming. And um, Dave has done a phenomenal yeah. job. So and- SoundCloud, you can listen there. And we actually just got word yesterday that we've won two two uh, communicator awards, one for sound design and one for original uh, music. So wow, congratulations. Somebody else oh thinks he did an amazing job too. That's amazing. That's great. Congratulations. Not just Thank you. Us. Uh, Dragon Talk is a potty award winning yep. uh, sound. Nice. P O T T Y. Yeah, yeah. Really we got to look more into the awards. We're still potty award. We told too many potty jokes. That's where. There you go. That's we got we got to. that market. Yeah. In our yeah. D&D game we have a, a character named uh, I think Potty that that Ben came up with that shows up every once in a while. So oh, we're pretty much the same like thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> D&D just brings it out in people. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know. That's why we uh, like it. Well, mm-hmm. I love that you are, you know, a part of the the D&D community now. You've started playing in the last year. You've made this amazing series. You've brought in so many of these actors. You know, thank you so much for uh, for doing all this, and uh, here's to season two. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll have you guys on as some characters in season two. Oh yeah. Oh, you know we are we are uh, former theater majors. Really? Yeah. Bring both it of on. Us. Nice. All four of us then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I'll, it. I can I can be whatever you want me to be, or whatever mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you, you want to be. be. There you go. Um, <laughs> you can actually hear some of our work in I think in some Sirenscape. Uh, some sound effects. I, w- I was um, Weeping Lady. Nice. Ooh, weeping Lady. And I was um, Murmur in a Bar. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. You know what? That's hard. That's a lot harder than people give it credit for. <laughs> you good wallet girl. I am. Yeah, I'm, I do have experience. So. <laughs> well, Just putting that out there. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. If you need someone Always. to cry, I can do it. Absolutely. There's a lot of crying. There is a lot of crying. Dana is a very good crier, too. (laughs) There were a lot lot of tears in Carcerum, I will say. That was even before we got into the booth. Oh. Hey, What? I don't know. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into this podcast, everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this has been incredible. Welcoming us as sort of newbies in the D&D community. Oh, yeah. um, Which we still are very much, you know, finding our way. But it's it's so wonderful to be a part of now and to just keep telling other people to join. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we appreciate that. You are officially anointed into the community. Oh, what an honor. (laughs) So say we all. (laughs) (laughs) And hands in Hey Hey. (laughs) 
Wow. I want to be, I, I think we did a pretty good job auditioning to be in the I next know. season of Car Serum, right? They're going to call any day now, aren't they? Exactly. They're on uh, the phone right now. Could you honestly, though, imagine playing D&D with Jane Lynch? I could. Yeah, I she's got too. that she's got that game show show. Uh so I felt like she's already like, you know, mostly a gamer and the fact that she jumped into uh this series based on just hearing about it being pitched by them. It's like that's so cool. I would love to play with her. Do you think that the studio they have is like has some kind of enchantment on it <laughs> because it seems like everybody who walks in there's like, "Yes, I will do your show." I will only take pennies as payment. I think that is exactly what's happening. It's like the door to that studio is a portal into the Feywild and uh, and every wish that they make comes true. So they're like, I wish for uh, Cameron Crowe to be a part of this audio series. And then they're like, here it is. Hi, I'm Cameron Crowe. That's the sound that the enchantment makes when it grants your wish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Cameron Crowe shows up and he's like, I was a director of, uh, you know, tons of wonderful films and I'd like to direct this. Well, I've always wanted to play D&D. I'm so glad somebody finally asked me. Exactly. Um, mm. I love that he's got like a, a cartoonish voice. I know. That's my, yeah. that's my impression of Cameron Crowe doing an impression. <laughs> There's de- It's layers. There's a yep. lot of layers. Yes. Um, that's my audition. There you go, Dana and Shane. There's my audition for you. Get her signed. She's in. Okay. I am excited to celebrate uh, 300th episode with you, Shelly. It's amazing that we have been together talking on a weekly basis for that long. Honestly, it's almost like the rest of our company doesn't know we do this. (laughs) (laughs) How have we gotten away with this for 300 episodes? (laughs) Sometimes it feels like that's true. (laughs) Do they know Uh, there is an official D&D podcast? It's Um, funny because it's it's so real. Um, (laughs) It's funny because it's true. We're gonna keep doing it though. Uh, we're writing a book about it, and so as that as that gets out into the world, it's gonna be a real thing. I think more people might even more. know about it then. By the time that book comes out, there will be like almost a hundred more. So it's true. There. So there. We'll be we celebrating are... our four hundredth episode. Nice. I can't wait. We gotta get to five hundred at least. Uh, can't stop. Won't stop. Goals. Squad goals. And then we'll turn it over to our children. To continue. (laughs) (laughs) They would be highly entertained. We are passing down the mantle of dragon talk to you, Edna and Quinn. And Fiona. Fiona. Yeah. Obvi. Yeah. And Noble. Oh, that's adorable. It is, it is. Uh, very excited uh, for all of that. So again, please tune in on Friday, June 11th, 11 a.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash d but you'll again be able to watch that in perpetuity on video on demand. Um, and we'll be, of course, be tweeting about it. So give me a follow at Greg Tito or on Instagram, Greg underscore Tito. And uh, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Shelly Moo or on Instagram at Shelly Moo or Two Old Moms. 
two old moms. Dun, dun, two nah, nah, old nah, moms. Nah. We are old and we are moms. Follow <laughs> us. We walk slow. So it's easy to follow. Easy to follow when you're on your own, your own slow walk like uh, around the block. Cube. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just moves. I'm assuming a gelatinous cube would move slowly. Am they I do. Wrong? They do move pretty slow. It's true. That's the sound it makes. That's your sound of a good gelatinous <laughs> cube. It's barely imperceptible, uh, but yeah. It's, right? it's good. I, I can't hear it, but it must be. You can't that, hear that? No, because gelatinous cubes are very silent, so it's it makes sense. Silent but deadly. <laughs> <laughs> Just like something else. I can't quite put my finger on it, but oh, it's something else. Trademark that. <laughs> no one's ever said that joke Never. before. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Uh, if you would like to tell us more of your fun jokes, you can log on to DungeonsAndDragons.com and not do it there uh, but you can find out more about D&D and all the fun storylines and products that we've got coming up some of which may be announced the week of June 7th through the 11th uh, oh, so 7-11. pay attention to all of our social media including Facebook uh, Instagram and Dungeons and Dragons all using uh, wizards under, uh, underscore DND on those and of course download Dragon Plus when you can and I would be remiss if I didn't say to shout out the Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel right now because it's got well two awesome videos, but one is called Sleep Sound, uh, oh, yeah. which is narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch and is written by R. A. Salvatore, creator of Drist de Orden himself, and it's jam packed with information about uh, that character, the companions, as well as Drow in general. So lots of fun stuff there. And then there's a deeper dive video in which B. Dave Walters talks B. to. Dave. Are a Salvatore, as we call him, Bob Salvatore, and uh, it is a fascinating deep dive into everything that's happening with uh, that character in the video game Dark Alliance, as well as Bob's new books, uh, a new series that's coming, and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which features a card with Dristo Erdin and Lolf, Queen of Spiders, upon it. Is that your spider sound? Um, also, maybe you might want to uh, sign up to receive the D&D newsletter. Ooh, or the Dark Alliance newsletter, even. Okay. Or... Just newsletter it up. Shelly's newsletter. Oh. Um, now, now, I'm, now you have to start well, doing Well, you don't... Don't... It's a good newsletter for people who don't like newsletters. Mm, it's like the anti-newsletter newsletter. Yes. I like yes, that. Yes, Definitely. We should create a newsletter about what's happening in Drunky Two Shoes world. Uh, it'll be like the Waterdeep Wazoo, which is the name of the paper in Waterdeep, uh, or a name of a paper in Waterdeep. Uh, but uh, yeah, what is occurring here in this storyline as we go into our ending phase here? Drunky uh, accosted a doppelganger who yep. looked exactly like Daryl in a Harper. Uh, safe house in the north ward. Uh, that doppelganger uh, took his own life uh, by swallowing something that was poisonous within him, yeah. uh, and 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 is now deceased. Uh, but the Harper fighter by the name of Samson, uh, who assisted Shelley, uh, uh, Drunky in uh, taking down, or at least uh, uh, you know, not letting the doppelganger leave the room, uh, suggested bringing the body. 
to a cleric nearby who can perhaps cast a speak with dead spell. And that's, that's right. where we're at. Okay. So, and I was like covered in some goo also, which is kind of gross. Yeah. So we just pick up this dead doppelganger and put him over my shoulder and just walk down the street. Uh, Samson says, uh, yes, that is exactly what we need to do. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. Oh my God, where's my brother? Uh, so he assists you and kind of, you know, uh, shall, shall I take the legs? I got it. Oh, okay. So you just sling. <laughs> and actually, it is quite slight. It's There's not a lot of uh, heft to it. You know, probably about 50 pounds total, uh, which oh, is, you know, not, nothing, easy. it's not... Um, light by any means, but it's not like it's a, uh, you know, a huge, you know, 200 pound uh, weight. Uh, And actually you're a little bit surprised at how light it is. Uh, But then yes, you uh, go out the door. There's, you know, again, the bustling kind of city uh, around here. It is nearing uh, late afternoon. uh, And Samson says, hmm, I believe there may be a uh, cleric of Lathander nearby uh, at the the chapel. It's about uh, a few blocks to the north. Come, follow me. Okay. Uh, and uh, he takes you through the streets. Uh, and you get a few looks from uh, passersby as they're seeing you carrying a body. Uh, but um, for some reason, just the, the bearing of a uh, broad-chested fighter in full uh, um, armor uh, is enough to um, dissuade anybody from asking too many questions. So I have a, this is a, a, a dumb question. No, it's not. A doppelganger. Would would a doppelganger fall into like a fiend category? Uh, No, I don't believe Mm, so. That's a bummer. Yeah. An aberration? Celestial? Any of those? I don't think a celestial, but I believe an an aberration might be. Let me just, I think they're actually a humanoid type, but let me double check. Okay. Because I forgot. That I have primeval awareness. They are a monstrosity. Oh, okay. Because I would have been able to sense that there is any present within one mile. Well, luckily, you now are still wearing an amulet uh, that is in the shape of an owl with two amethysts' uh, eyes for jewels that allows you to detect uh, what a doppelganger actually is within the city. Uh, and, uh, as you make your way through, uh, these streets, um, it's, you know, kind of getting to the hour when people are going home. So it's a bit, uh, busy, uh, and then outside a modest looking chapel, uh, there is a, uh, sign that says, uh, worship is, uh, is about to begin. Uh-oh. I don't uh, know. Samsung, this, like, uh, should Samsung's I just... Bringing in this dead body while there's people gathering to worship. Is that it? Does look idea? like there's yeah, there's a crowd kind of congregating and getting into this 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 small uh, chapel that has like white stone uh, walls uh, and is uh, a little bit uh, not. It's not in a busy uh, crowded city block. It's got you know some some yard around it, and you can kind of tell if you're looking around uh, past the fence, uh, the iron wrought fence, that there might be a few uh, gravestones marking there. I, I, we don't really have a lot of time here, so I, I think I have to interrupt this service. Okay. Uh, and Samson says, well, are you sure? Uh, maybe perhaps we go in the back. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's just get in there. But but I, I okay. don't have time to wait for like the service to be over. Uh, understood. Uh, well, there's an alley, uh, I think, 
uh, this way. Uh, and so he takes you back to the uh, to the back alley. Whoa, whoa. Hmm? Is Samson on the up and up? I you have rolled an inside check against him. He seems fine as well. Your amulet does not appear to detect him uh, okay. as a doppelganger. Just a little paranoid when strange men lure me into an alley. <sighs> as you should be. Uh, he's not luring you. He's saying, like, do you want to? Do you yes. want to go into the alley? Yes. Yes, I do. All right. Uh, and uh, he, he you know, leads you back uh, down that way. The alleyway is... Uh, you know, full of refuse. Uh, looks like there's a tanner, uh, so it's kind of uh, gross smelling uh, uh, back there. Um, but he enters, uh, and you see there's like a green door uh, in a, uh, um, what looks like it could be like a rectory. Uh, and he knocks on the door. And uh, you wait a few moments until a old woman's voice, hello? And Samson says, I've got to speak uh, with uh, Lara. Is Lara here? Is Lara available? She's about to do her service. And Samson says, it's very important. Uh, we have, uh, what is your name again? Uh, to you? Uh, DT. We have a, uh, a DT here uh, who is in, in need of uh, a spell to be cast. It's an emergency. An emergency for who? For you or for me? Says the old woman. Is she, is she being sassy with me? She's being sassy. It's about to become one for you if you don't open this door. Roll me an intimidation check. Damn. I'm a little intimidating. Uh, 18. 18. Uh, she's like, all right, you don't have to be quite such a nasty person. She opens the door and uh, you are entered ah. into a, uh, uh, you know, a small little rectory where there's, you know, a few uh, cleric dresses uh, hung up and things like that. And she's like, I'll be right back. Uh, and, uh, you know, you two are in there. She closes the door and she's like, be quiet. There's a lot of people out there. And we'll pick it up uh, there next time, hopefully uh, with this cleric Lara able to help you. She called me a nasty person. You are a nasty person. DT, whoever calls themselves DT. At least I had the smarts to not call myself drunky in front of a church. I tried. You've learned learned something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a little more street smart. That's right. Okay. Well. I love it. All right. Well, we'll pick it up. Sounds good. Soon.